1: joshuda anandana brach janaranjana jomuna tira banachari Acharya, Ashtota, Ashtita, Sri Srimad is Divine Grace, Pajcaranada, Vinda, Paktivedanta, Swami, maharaj Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai. Iskahan, Biviti, Founder, Acharya, Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai. grantaraj Srimad, Bhagavatam, Ki Jai. All Glories to the Assembled Devotees. All Glories to the Assembled Devotees. All Glories to the Assembled Devotees. Hare Krishna. Gaurapremanande, Hari Bova. Om namo, Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya
2: Om
1: namo bhagavate
0: vasudevaya
1: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Hare Krishna Reading from the Shrimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 4. Sati quits her body, text 10. Jagarha, <laughs> Samarsha, Vipannaya, Gira, Shiva, Visham, Tuma, Pata, Shrama Smayam, Svati Utaganan Samut Titan Negruhya Devi Jagato Avishran Vataha Samarsha Samarshavipan Nayagira Shivadusham touma patashramas mayam. Sotejasa put the ganan samutitan. Negruhya devi jagatu pishonvata. Jagatha samarsha vipanayagira. Shvadhashanghuma Patashramasmayam Patashrama Swateeja Sabhutigan Samudang. Negruhya Devi Chikato Pishran Word for word. Jagarha began to condemn. Sa, she. Amar Shavipanaya indistinct through anger. Gira, His words. Shivadvisham, the enemy of Lord Shiva. Thumapata in sacrifices. Shrama, by troubles. Smayam, very proud. Svati-jasa, by her order. puta the ghosts. samut ready to injure Daksha. Nagruhya, stopped. <coughs> Devi Sati, Jagataha, in the presence of all, vataha, being heard. Srila Prabhupada's translation, the followers of Lord Shiva, the ghosts, were ready to injure or kill Daksha, but Sati stopped them by her order. She was very angry and sorrowful. And in that mood, she began to condemn the process of sacrificial fruitive activities and persons who were very proud of such unnecessary and troublesome sacrifices. She especially condemned her father, speaking against him in the presence of all. Please repeat. The followers of Lord Shiva, the ghosts, were ready to injure or kill Daksha. But Sati stopped them by her order. She was very angry and sorrowful and in that mood she began to condemn the process of sacrificial fruitive activities and persons who were very proud of such unnecessary and troublesome sacrifices. She especially condemned her father speaking against him in the presence of all. Shluparapad's purport, kījai. The process of offering sacrifices is especially meant to satisfy Vishnu, who is called Yagnesha, because he is the enjoyer of the fruits of all sacrifice. What is he called? Yagnesha. Yes. The Isha of Yagya. Bhagavad Gita 5.29 also confirms this fact. The Lord says, Bhoktaram paśam." he is the actual beneficiary of all sacrifices. Not knowing this fact, less intelligent men offer sacrifices for some material benefit. To derive personal material benefits for sense gratification is the reason persons like Daksha and his followers perform sacrifices. Such sacrifices are condemned here as a labor of love without actual profit. This is confirmed in Srimad Bhagavatam. What does the labor of love mean? Sacrifice. But what does it mean? Like, when you hear that statement, labor of love. means you're laboring because you care about something. You're laboring because you care about something. So he's saying that such sacrifices, because people are attached to them, they work hard for it, but they don't actually get anything else out of it. It's a labor of love. Like, they're attached to doing this hard work, but all they get is the hard work. This is a little idiom that uh, Prabhupada uses in a few places. Such sacrifices are condemned here as a labor of love without actual profit. It's like, I like to, I like to bash my head against the wall. It's like my thing, I really like to do that. I thought a
2: labor of love was
1: positive. Yeah, it would be if you're, if you're doing something positive with your, with your so-called love. But here it's not positive. This is an example of Prabhupada uh, modifying an existing idiom to use it in a different way. It
3: actually says here, a labor of love is a labor voluntarily undertaken
2: or performed without consideration of any benefit
1: or reward. Aha! Uh-huh. The de- dictionary definition of a labor of love. Interesting that there would be a definition for an idiom. That's interesting. Uh, is uh, a activity undertaken without any consideration of reward? Is that it? Any benefit or reward. Any benefit or reward. Yeah, so it's like they're, they're just, they just love wasting their time. Anyway, I thought it was an interesting turn of phrase. Such sacrifices are condemned here as a labor of love without actual profit. This is confirmed in Srimad Bhagavatam. One may prosecute the Vedic injunctions of offering sacrifices and other fruitive activities, but if, by such activities, one does not develop attraction for Vishnu, they are useless labors. Does anybody know the verse that Prabhupada is referring to here? Shrama eva yes. Tarma Sam that it's in the second chapter of the first canto if one does their duties very nicely their dharma um, if, if by that they don't actually achieve any rati any attraction for hearing about the lord then it's just shrama. definitely certainly completely it's just a waste it's just useless labor Shrama. that's what the word shrama means And this word for word is trouble. Yeah. Shrama. Is that in this? Yeah. Yeah. Shrama. Word for word. Where are you, Shrama? By troubles. Yeah. Obviously, Prabhupada was... I mean, I would think that he noticed that word and he was taken back to that verse in the second chapter of the first canto. Shrama. It even sounds like a waste of time. Shrama trauma, hard work, trouble. One may prosecute the Vedic injunctions of offering sacrifices and other fruit activities, but if by such activities one does not develop attraction for Vishnu, they are useless labors. One who has developed love for Vishnu must develop love and respect for Vishnu's devotees. Lord Shiva is considered the foremost personality amongst the Vaishnavas. Thus, when Sati saw that her father was performing great sacrifices, but had no respect, for the greatest devotee, Lord Shiva, she was very angry. <coughs> this is fitting. When Vishnu or a Vaishnava is insulted, one should be angry. Lord Chaitanya, who always preached non violence, meekness, and humility, also became angry when Nityananda was offended by Jagayan Madhai and he wanted to kill them. When Vishnu or a Vaishnava is blasphemed or dishonored, one should be very angry. Narottamadasa Thakur said, Krutapakta dve We have anger and that anger can be a great quality when directed against a person who is envious of the Supreme Personality of Godhead or His devotee. Again Prabhupada's use of envious is often in keeping with the more traditional understanding of like malicious, like malicious against the Lord or His devotee. One should not be tolerant when a person is offensive towards Vishnu or Vaishnava. The anger of Sati towards her father was not objectionable for although he was her father, he was trying to insult the greatest Vaishnava. Thus Sati's anger against her father was quite applaudable. Om ajnana timiranta siyak nyananjana shalakaya cakshur yena tasmai shri namaha shri chaitanya manopishtam stapitam yena putare svayangurupakadah matyam dadate svapadantikam vande shri Guru shri Uta kamalan shri guruvan vaiṣṇavaṁ śrī rūpaṁ sāgrajātaṁ Sahagana gaṇarakhanāthān vidhaṁ thaṁ sa sādvaitaṁ sāvatūtaṁ Padijana sahitāṁ Krishna caitanya devaṁ śrī rādhā kṛṣṇa pādaṁ saha gaṇalartha śrī viṣakhaṁ vidhaṁ śc hey krishna karunasanto sindho deen bandho jagatpati gopika kanta radha kanta namo stute tapta kanchanagaurangi radhe vrindavaneshwari prushbhan sute devi pranamami hari priye vancha kalpat rup shas namo namaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadathara Shri Vasadhi Gaurapakta Vrindara Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare, Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Hare, Hare, Hare Krishna <coughs> give me your blessings and mercy. Then I can have some of the microphone that's of any use. Okay. Jai. Thank you. Hare Krishna. So, as uh, Nithai Prabhu pointed out uh, on Saturday, the pastime has taken a turn. Sati has actually come face to face with the truth that Lord Shiva was trying to Well, he was trying to protect her from, but he was also trying to inform her of, without her having to see it in this way. Um, As Prabhupada pointed out in a previous purport, one can tolerate offenses coming from somebody who's considered an enemy, because you expect that to a degree. But when it comes from someone you consider very much your well-wisher, it's much more painful. And he foresaw that this was going to be very, very, it was going to be personal, in other words. Although, Prabhupada points out here that uh, her anger is justified, it's going to take um, a very dark turn. Uh, many of us, are, Most of us have read this past time, we know what happens. And it's been hinted at. she's actually going to kill herself out of frustration due to being related to such an offensive person. She's actually going to end her own life, considering this body was given to me by this such an offensive person, I don't want to be associated with it. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about anger. Anger in, uh, in service to Vishnu the Vaishnavas. Prabhupada mentions that here. And that's um, certainly there in Sati's anger. And also other manifestations of anger. So, as Prabhupada points out in the purport, when referencing Narutam Nas Thakur, he says, we have anger. <laughs> this begins the sentence, we have anger. <laughs> And that anger can be a great quality when directed against a person who is envious of the Supreme Personality of Godhead or his devotee. Not we may have anger, or sometimes people have anger. We have anger. This is a very straightforward statement. We have anger. This is part of our psychological makeup. We're capable of anger. So some philosophies try to actually erase um, emotions like anger, because anger is quite destructive, generally. It's It's a precursor to destruction. In the 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna points out that there's three gateways to hell. If you want to know how to go to hell, there's three main ways of doing that. And of the three ways, one of them is anger. we know the other two? Lust, and lopa. greed. Yes, These are the three pathways to the degradation of the soul. That's what hell really means, is the degradation of the soul. These three things really degrade one. Um, Personal desire, loba, greed, and crota anger. Interestingly, krota anger is actually characterized as being uh, resultant of unsatisfied comma. This is there in the third chapter of Bhagavad Gita. You want something, you don't get it, you feel angry. So two of the gateways to hell at least are related to each other. And you can say the third one, I think Madhvachary gives in in his commentary, the third one is is greed that's also related because you do get it, you want more. So It's kind of this little psychological complex so um, all forms of civilization have attempted to uh, control these three things uh, for good reason so some philosophies actually consider that crota anger is always bad and in the simplistic view of things um, just as a beginning philosophy you may consider that that's true it may be of some use if someone has a lot of anger in them and it's Really, always misdirected, because how often is somebody's anger? You look at it like anger is found even in children, very young children. As soon as something they don't they don't want happens, they they manifest anger externally. It's such a fundamental part of our psyche. How often is that anger that people experience or express in children, adults, men, women, old, young, all cultures of the world? How often is that? Oh, you're offending the Lord and his devotee. I'm angry at you. Really, not very often. So. This understanding that anger actually has a pure expression is true, but it's also very subtle. And so we see that the, the material understanding of anger is basically it's it's bad. It's always bad, and you should uh, you should not experience it. You should control it. Different kinds of approaches. So what we're dealing with is a very advanced kind of philosophy. Das Thakur is saying you should use that anger. Prophet says, we have anger. It's not that. You know, we have it. It's possible to experience for anyone. You can use that in service in the following ways. Says, protect the devotees of the Lord when they're offended by manifesting anger in that context only. So, uh, we're going to talk about all the other manifestations of anger first. Um, some of the different ideas of why they manifest and the different kinds of anger that there are, before we touch on the pure expression. Because the pure expression is much more rare and um, is only dealt with really in our philosophy, as far as I can understand. Um, there may be other manifestations in other forms of bhakti traditions, but certainly the most clear expression of it is in our philosophy, like you can see. We, we heard about how Lord Chaitanya, he's the, the Mahavadanya avatar, the most merciful incarnation. He displayed this kind of anger. It's actually not outside of his character. Um, so there's a very high there's a very high reason behind that. So before we get there, what we see with anger is that it's a natural expression of not having one's desires fulfilled um, you can see it in animals too you can see it in, if an animal uh, has their immediate um, goal thwarted and and the goal of an animal always has to do with their body directly or indirectly and often directly their food um, their place of sleep and so forth if that's there's some interruption in that you can see a manifestation of anger and human beings certainly the same thing so in a in a, in a situation where there is no lord shiva involved there's no dharmic principle there's no vaishnava involved um, it's certainly possible for somebody to feel great anger at their father for speaking that way against the father's son-in-law their own husband right so what we see, for example, is that it's very natural when uh, a person who has a position of authority, who has some um, due respect given to them, who has the responsibility to help others, to protect them in some way, actually violates their um, that responsibility. Then there is generally always anger, right? What we see is that if, uh, if a parent neglects their child. People get angry. But the child, if they're old enough to realize, will get angry. People will get angry on behalf of the child. Just hearing about it makes people angry, like somebody doesn't like feed their child properly and they find it dead, like it's, it's a terrible thing. Some, some teacher somewhere doesn't do their duty properly. Maybe they, I don't know, they beat their children when they don't answer their division questions properly. It makes one angry. And so on and so forth, religious leaders let us down, there's anger. Um, somebody we trusted, husband or wife lets us down, friend lets us down, there's some responsibility that's actually violated, there's anger. So we can see that there is actually, besides one's own um, sense gratification, in the gross sense, like, okay, you stole my (laughs) hot dog, I'm angry at you, (laughs) because I wanted to eat that, right? Aside from gross sense gratification, there is more subtle things, there is like material dharma, you know, um, you were supposed to be like my teacher, but instead you just humiliated me in front of the classroom. I'm just making this up as I go along. That never happened to me, but it happens to people, and it can be a source of anger. And people actually hold on to these things for long times. Often, what we're seeing, arguably, in today's society, is more or less like systematic um, destruction of of or or misrepresentation or violation of forms of authority uh, and the resultant lack of trust and anger that comes because of that and that's really indicative of the age of Kali so husband wife have responsibility to one another if there is some fault in that if there's some repeated fault in that then you get like kind of chronic anger people have like inability to trust the opposite sex for years or the rest of their life because of having been let down and having that Dharma broken I was supposed to be protected in this way, I wasn't. And it's no longer rational. That anger really strikes deep and it's very difficult to get rid of. Not impossible, but it's very difficult. I don't trust my teachers because this happened, I don't trust religion because that happened. I don't trust my parents or anyone else because my first, you know, uh, persons who are supposed to help me, my parents, when I was completely helpless, they let me down. So it's natural to have anger in those situations. And it, one can say that it's not just for gross sense gratification. You can't blame a child for having anger for years. When when they were helpless, they were let down. But uh, it's important to understand that these things happen, especially more and more in Kali Yuga, which <laughs> we can't escape that. The age is not going to change its quality because we notice that, that, that it's a problem. It's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. Of course, we're offering the, the solution. But anyway the solution to the problem concurrently in this age. So it's important to notice that. So if somebody asks us, you know, what, is, what does Prabhupada mean here? Uh, how can I parse this out in my life when I, you know, I mean, somebody cheated on me and I'm just angry all the time, or um, I have a problem with this political manifestation or that religious manifestation or this social manifestation or whatever, and I feel a lot of anger around it and it's becoming like, actually, I've noticed it's, it's a burden in my life. Um, how can I understand that that's just sense gratification? Do we have any thoughts on that? Like, how is that actually sense gratification, or is it? Yes.
4: Well, I think there's so many there's so many times when anger comes for people, um, but but it seems like. I don't want to say this. Basically, when we're when we're expecting things to go a certain way, or we're attached to things being a certain way, um, we and we experience like hurt or harm from something happening. Like, like the example you gave of maybe someone in a responsible position wasn't acting responsibly, and we were hurt, or someone else was hurt, or um, or even there's so many times anger we we use anger but so oftentimes we use anger to protect ourselves from being hurt again. We don't want to be hurt again, so we're just angry about the fact that we were hurt. But um, the, what was the question you asked? How could be sense gratification. Oh yeah, how could it be sense gratification? So really it's like at the same time kshatriyas used they had they utilized angria anger kshatriyas utilized anger when they were fighting, because they had to get that energy coming through to really fight. And so, when is, when is it sense gratification? Is most of the time I think it is, because it's sense gratification when it's not utilized for the highest purpose, for a higher purpose. And so, kshatriyas, like Arjuna, on the battlefield, they were utilizing anger for a higher purpose. But when we're using anger for years to protect ourselves because we're hurt about something that we haven't resolved, that's sense gratification because we're not actually going to the root of it and healing the part of us that's resentful and not accepting what happened.
1: Yeah, when you mentioned that the Kshatriyas use their anger, uh, yeah, because you have—I you, mean—you have to be angry to do the kind of things that you need to do in service. Then, I was thinking about, you know, like losing your temper versus you could say using your temper. This this idea of of uh, being able to turn on and turn off anger because it's necessary for a service, whereas um, I think all of us have the experience of being dominated by our anger. Is that? When it is um, an experience outside of like our real dharma, it's not helpful. Then it just uh, you don't you don't really have a choice about being angry or not. You can't really turn it on or off. Like we saw with Lord Shiva, that um, Daksha acted offensively, and Lord Shiva is not. Unaware of what happened, he's actually completely aware of what happened. He's more aware than anybody of exactly what kind of anartha is in Daksha's heart. But he um, he doesn't actually he chooses not to actually act against that at the time. Uh, Narda Muni is offended by Duksha and he chooses not to do some, something about it because it's not useful. We gave that example in a previous class, like later on sixth canto when Duksha's blaspheming Narda. Narda stands there and the acharyas mention he's tolerating it cuz he's thinking if this person gets all their venom amount maybe i can preach to them like i preached to his sons maybe he can get some benefit so he's choosing not to go down the route of, of righteous anger um, but sati although there's a dharmic principle involved she also can't really to some extent help it because there is her own there's uh, her own feelings are involved in it too and when we're when our, it's really just just about my feelings and there's no dharmic principle then we're more. I think we can all agree we're more or less powerless against the anger. You know, you can with great difficulty stuff it away temporarily, but it's going to come out, and it's it's just there. So that's a that's a, a striking difference between anger and service versus, you know, when anger is using you. So Amanda,
3: I think also. In terms of this idea of anger being sense gratification, there's a way in which that anger can be a manifestation of me not taking responsibility. Um, If I feel that kind of culpability, like if I feel like I'm guilty about something, but I don't want to recognize my part or my role in a situation or in a circumstance, then I can get angry to kind of... yeah, I externally get angered to like remove the attention off of the fact that I have something to look at in my life, and uh, so then I was thinking of that that sense gratification means you know pleasing to the senses and the mind is the 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 you know the hub of all the senses, and so when I you know it's when the mind is uh, controlling the fault or being controlled by the false ego, there's this way in which that I can protect myself unnecessarily um, and I was trying to think of I, the, the, the example of Karna kept coming to mind about how he just was constantly like in this victim role and, and, and there's so many things that he could have been, he, he was angry about and, and rightly, you know, in, in some perspectives rightly so, like he was mistreated in many different ways But then all the other opportunities that Kunti or that Krishna um, or that these different personalities gave him to actually uh, rather than like use this kind of like self-righteous or the self-righteous anger and and this kind of like painful anger where like I'm hurt and I don't want to look at like, you know, my contribution to this catastrophe and, and, you know, my contribution to being Drona's friend and and you know uh, offending Droupadi, all these different things. Rather, he he continued to like hold that enmity towards Arjuna. I don't know if, if that's so related, but.
1: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a claim and you can all challenge me on it if you don't think it's strong enough or you can agree with it as you like. Because Bhaktivinoda Thakur in, uh, in his article, Vaishnava Ninda, Criticizing Vaishnavas, I think we talked about this in a previous class. Um, he says that there's basically four kinds of uh, ninda, criticism, blasphemy. And so the worst is to blaspheme a Vaishnava. A uh, little less bad than that is, is, is to blaspheme or criticize somebody who's uh, like a brahmana. Like they're actually in the mode of goodness. They're, he's called a Vaishnava praya. They're almost like a, they're almost a Vaishnava, basically. Um, and then below that is like a person who's religiously minded. And below that is any human being at all. So what we see is that there's actually a gradation. It's not actually like a... Black and white thing that, okay, well, because, because there's offens- offensive offensive Vaishnava involved, now it's like really a place for anger, and, but everywhere else is completely zero. The reality doesn't work that way. But Prabhupada is choosing to accentuate Vaishnava Ninda because it is so dangerous. It is absolutely destructive to one's own spiritual life and material life. Um, so he does that in many places, but both him and our previous acharyas, I'm quoting Padminot Thakur now. Show that there are gradations of living entities, and offenses of, against them are considered accordingly, so um, it seems like the most uh, selfish forms of anger are the least righteous they 're the most in keeping with like the pure idea of sense gratification. You stole my hot dog, <laughs> I wanted to eat it, I butchered that pig myself, you know uh, so like. You can imagine like how, how selfish anger can be and there's less and less Dharma involved the further away you go from actual principles related to Krishna. At the highest level, those persons who are closest to Krishna, the Vaishnava, any offense against them is, is most serious. That's actually how Krishna sees the world, he sees the universe that way. He sees his devotees differently than his non-devotees because they've surrendered to him. So appreciating anger means understanding how Krishna sees things and how things are related to him. So like um, Karna, there are a lot of reasons why he could consider himself a victim and many of those were real, but he actually chose to commit greater offenses against others in relationship to to higher principles of Dharma. He he was complicit. He was complicit in the offense against Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis. When the worst he had to complain about was getting a bit of a raw deal in his upbringing. You know, not really having, like, parents and, you know, not really getting the same chance other persons get to maturely advance. That's also uh, an offense against dharma, but it's more general. Just like somebody can feel anger, if I talked about, you know, um, offenses against you know, I, like somebody goes to school and like they want to like study and then they're just cheated of their money and they don't get to like actually get an education. Like that's okay. There's some dharma involved there. But there are worse things going on. So it's I think it's important for us to understand when dharma is involved and in to what degree. Because it, it, Karna couldn't understand that. He couldn't understand what's actually most important in a situation. And um, it isn't black and white, you know the worst thing is to offend the Vaishnava but I think for most people who are not well anybody who's not a pure devotee and most people are not pure devotees at any given time we're gonna we're going to experience anger in other contexts not just when the Vaishnava and Vishnu is criticized we're going to experience anger because of our own issues that we've experienced in life we're going to experience anger noticing the suffering of others that's not entirely untoward if you see the suffering of others in a material context um, you know we gave the example uh, in another class, I forget what the, what the context of that class was, but uh, Srila Pakti is on Parikrama with his disciples in the Tom, and there are some beggars asking for alms and uh, his disciples kept walking, Grahasta disciples, and Srila Pakti said, did you give anything? And they said, no. And he says, well, you should give. It's, not, it's important to not become hard-hearted. He detected, through his service as a guru, he detected there was some hard-heartedness there, not just that. Oh, I'm giving 100% of everything I have to the mission of Mahaprabhu, there was some way in which there was an indifference to the suffering of, of others. And he considered it his duty, although he's in Acharya to pre- present pure Bhakti, to point out at that time, you're being hard-hearted, you shouldn't do that. Um, so, these gray areas I find very interesting. Right? Uh, I'm not on the level of Shri Bhakti I'm not going to stand up here on the on the Vyasa-San and point out, when and where exactly how is a proper manifestation of anger or emotional reaction to a situation but i can see that there are principles involved here based on his activity in that lila based on bhakti not you know giving us gradations of living entities and showing us that yeah vaishnava is the worst but we may feel something uh some selfish pang pang around the suffering of others at some lower level But at the highest level, we can see that the pure devotee, they see everything in terms of Krishna all the time. If they see suffering, that someone's not eating, they don't have enough to eat, their conception is not the same as the conception of, you know, a complete materialist when they see someone suffering because they're not eating. It's it's actually different. It's in relationship to Krishna. Oh, they have this human form of life, but they're not even able to put food in their mouth. How are they ever going to get past the, the stage of living hand to mouth like an animal? They would feel suffering like that. They can't possibly approach bhakti. Prabhupada said, nobody within an X number of miles of the Mandir in Mayapur should go hungry. We have so much prashad, we should just distribute it. Uh, he was not thinking like a mundane person whose goal in life is to feed as many people as possible. Uh, he was thinking as, as he always did in terms of Krishna. You know, Haridās Thakur, he he took no offense when he was being beaten the attempt was to beat him to death in, in, in public. He took no offense about that. Of course, Mahaprabhu took offense. Um, but he was ready, willing, and able to, to feign death, to, to leave the situation so his captors wouldn't get punished. I can't even begin to speculate on, on, on what that feeling really is from a pure devotee, how that relates to Krishna. But we know it does. So until that's there, there's some anger with some selfishness. I have a sense of order about the universe. It should be a certain way. When that order is violated, I feel anger. Maybe that order means that no one should steal my hot dog. Or maybe it means that nobody should you know, punch each other in the street. To some degree, that's still selfish as long as Krishna is not in the equation. If it's my order, I want the world to be a world where people don't punch each other in the street, then it's actually not about Krishna. It happens to line up to some degree with his Dharma, because Krishna is not about a world where people punch each other randomly. But the point is it's his dharma it's not mine so i was just anyway i hope this class isn't becoming derailed but i wanted to point out the gray areas so we can actually appreciate how anger manifests in so many ways and how that ultimately has to connect to some dharma that krishna is giving us krishna wants the world to be a certain way for his reasons if we understand those reasons if we understand the dharma that's there materially and spiritually in different contexts then we can know when and how we should be angry and the pure devotee will experience anger always in relationship to Krishna. They'll experience anger. Prabhupada was angry all the time, <laughs> it seems. You know, persons who don't understand him could, could, could have considered him a very cantankerous person, just getting angry without any apparent cause, just angry about the world. But that's actually not at all his experience internally. His experience was deep attachment to Krishna and Krishna's values. And... Uh, an energetic drive to instill those values for pleasure in all contexts, be it Varnashram Dharma, be it politics, be it you know uh, religious institutions, be it in an individual's current ability or inability to surrender to Krishna or to be honest about their shortcomings and their bhakti, that anger was used as a tool and also it was turned off when necessary. There was no time at which Prabhupada was dominated by his anger and went beyond the line and had to later say, "I was wrong. I'm sorry." No, he used it. I definitely don't use my anger that way. So, anyway, these are some thoughts. We'll take some comments, questions, reflections because we have now nine to twelve minutes left in the class. Hopefully, great. We we'll start there. Hopefully, I, I offered something of value. I feel like it was a little disjointed today's class, but anyway.
4: Quote from Aristotle. 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 <laughs> anyone can become angry, that is easy, but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not within everyone's power and is not easy. Anyone can anyone can become angry, that is easy, but to but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way that is not within everyone's power and is not easy.
3: So a question arose for me. We're talking about um, you know having anger for Krishna you know and this kind of goes into... Doing things for Krishna, right? And then you know, we have we have examples of pure devotees that are. <laughs> we have examples of pure devotees that, um. You know, have give with great exertion for Krishna and get very you know get angry for Krishna. Give the example of Prapad, you know the famous example of Hanuman. Some examples where these devotees actually um, do something with great excellence because of their service to Krishna. But I'm wondering because oftentimes, you know, you have the, the experience-based stereotype of the Hare Krishna vehicle, right, the temple car, that it's Krishna's, but no one gives a hoot to take care of it, and it gets wrecked. And, and you know, a lot of times in the material world, if I'm doing something for Krishna, I may just, like, you know, only give half my effort. That's kind of what we see happen, right? Whereas if I'm doing something for myself, for my own sense gratification, I'm gonna go all out. Like we have, there's materialists in the world that are very expert, very on top, very orderly, very clean, very like organized and powerful. Nice cars cars that they take care of. They got money, they got power. Why is it that as devotees, we we don't have as much, it doesn't appear sometimes that devotees have as much vigor for devotional service or for um doing things for Krishna i mean it just came to mind when you were mentioning that that uh one of the reasons that in the analogy of cars one of the reasons that the
1: materialists or non-devotees take so much care of the vehicle is uh, to attract sex life and attract attention and devotees aren't in that mode. And that's one of the reasons devotees can get in the mode of, because they're detached from that and they're not thinking like that, they can kind of lower the standard uh, to the point where they're not even being attentive to maintain a, a basic standard like that.
4: If I have anything to say about car taking care of cars, but but I was I just was wanting to comment on um, anger being useful. Most of the time, we have to see is it really useful. And in my personal experience, most of the time, uh, the feedback I get when I utilize anger is the outcome is less desirable than what I was hoping for. And so when I, even though I might feel anger, how I relate with someone in a certain circumstance, um, if I'm more careful and uh, mindful and not harsh by being driven by anger, then the outcome is more favorable. So I've just noticed for myself most of the time, um, utilizing anger... It it doesn't have the as the desired effects.
0: This is you were asking about uh anyway, proprietorship or ownership turns sand into gold. Isn't that expression that Prabhupada noted? Yeah. So you know, Krishna is the supreme proprietor, so understanding who really owns everything and um, how to respect that. Or even if we're just thinking, yeah, I'm in charge of the vehicles or something, <clears throat> sankirtan vehicles, so some proprietorship in Krishna's service, or just the complete materialist, you know, for their own sense gratification. So the different levels of proprietorship and how they, people respond to that. And then I was just thinking of uh, Sati, how, uh, you know, in her different manifestations, she's always uh, got her anger side, you know, there's Kali, Kali, and I mean, in the past times with Lord Shiva, she's got to have that. I mean, that's, it's intrinsic in um, how they have to um, take care of the material world, you know, as kind of like the father and the mother of the material world. And she has to express that, and he does at times too. So they're definitely, um, in all the different pastimes, expressing um, at the right time, um, in the right way, to deal with the, you know, situations. Generally, you know, uh, as Durga, she would be dealing with these out and out big demons, but here she's dealing with her father, but it's almost even worse because of the Vaishnava Ninda. So, but anyway, that's her, that's her role. That's Durga.
1: Yeah, so I think you you pointed out an important kind of uh, progression of 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 like the idea of ownership. The materialist just thinks everything is theirs, and it's like only theirs. And then the the pure devotee uh, sees everything as completely Krishna's. But in between, we may have some sense of we have have some service given to us to take care of like a car or anything else in Krishna's service, and it's like. It is for Krishna, and we understand it theoretically. But there's also a mix there. Well, I'm I'm the car person. I take care of Krishna's cars, you know. Like, or I am the ashram leader. I am this. I'm that. There's there's that mix. Um, but you have to u- you have to use that. You have to use that sense of uh, personal responsibility, personal um, having a personal stake in things. And it is going to be a mixture until it gets to that pure pure stage. You know, which you also pointed out that you know sometimes you you manifest anger and you're thinking like, okay, I'm like I'm doing this for this reason, so I should get this result. This should be like people understand how I'm trying to get the the best thing for Krishna, and then the feedback comes in. It's like, oh, maybe not as good as I I, I thought, because it's still a mixture. But um, the principle of using it in the course of service um, and trying to do it for Krishna's pleasure is is always relevant. Doesn't mean there can't be refinement, but it's, it's, it's a superior principle than um, trying like, try never to be angry. That's not going to happen. You know, we should care. And if we care about something, there's going to be anger. It's a man- anger is a manifestation of caring about things and not being completely indifferent. Only somebody completely in the mode of ignorance would never feel anger. And no one's completely in the mode of ignorance. So it's, there's, that, there's that period of, of like Yukta where you're trying to connect a tendency maybe it's ownership or maybe it's anger and use it in Krishna's service and then it's it's mixed and you get like kind of constant signals of how to refine it or that you need to refine it or or whatever um, until it becomes more and more pure that's that's been my experience so um, just to yeah, just to appreciate that and confirm what mother nidra is saying that yeah like ananda's question was basically why why is it we can't take care of the car? It seems like it's a, a misapplication of the philosophy. It's, it seems like focusing more on, on as you said Prabhu, re- renouncing the material aspects of the car. Like, I've always associated with car, cars with you know sense gratification, so I'm going to stop doing that. So all of a sudden the car is like a non-entity, it has no value. It's Palgavairagya, it no longer actually is connected to Krishna. Um, and in the absence of like a very strong personal connection to Krishna on my part, I may fail to engage it properly. So in that interim, you can find somebody who's into cars and be like, "Hey, do you want to be the, you know, the the ashram car person?" They'd be like, "Yeah, I love cars." And then they're hearing about how things aren't theirs; they belong to Krishna. At the same time, they love cars. They've always been doing things with cars. They're like, "I I enjoy cars. I'm the enjoyer of cars." And like that playground, they get purified, and the car gets taken care of, (laughs) pretty good. It's not perfect. It's a work in progress. But it's a lot better than, you know, a, a broken car and nobody actually doing any service. So, same point? Okay, and then we're going to move on to Margaret.
3: Just, yeah, I think um, just something I'm considering, just the kind of, especially something for those of us that are sharing Krishna consciousness, just the awareness of, you know, how you know how are we how are we framing the practice of bhakti? Because I think I think it's 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 happened and I think it's, it's easy to happen, you know, that we can frame the practice of bhakti in a more like renunciation heavy kind of way. When actually it's because because then that that's what breeds like this Fagu this kind of false renunciation. Because that's 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 an easier extreme to then to then uh, kind of attach myself to, rather than like this middle ground of, okay, let me use this in Krishna's service, right? So just, I think, kind of an awareness of, as we're sharing Krishna consciousness, like, you no, know, it's like you're doing things for Krishna with as much vigor and as much, um, you know, attachment. And you just offer the results, right? So it's just, just kind of something I'm considering, because I think if it's easy to kind of... Um, misunderstand what renunciation actually means and it's easier to kind of go to a stereotypical i don't care about anything and that means i'm renounced i don't you know i don't take care of my health i don't take care of my possessions i don't really like you know work very hard to make things presentable whether it's in like the presentation of christian consciousness or just the car or that was just the example that i came up with but you know as I, i anyway just some thoughts i was having
1: I was thinking how when I, when I distribute books, uh, maybe you can check too if that's a new comment. Um, when I distribute books, I, my, one of my opening lines is, you know, yeah, these are books on how to get free from stress. Because that's, that's like a little sound bite they can, they can digest. I don't really get into Yukta Vairagya and like karma yoga right there on the street in the moment. But it can become very easy for me to like buy that line and say, actually I'm in a movement that's about getting free from stress, <laughs> it's, not, it's not what we're here for. We're here to actually apply ourselves in Krishna's service, and then we can experience spiritual stress. Um, so, yeah, just a, it's a good reminder that we don't, we don't take that superficial approach to our spiritual practice. And, oh, I want to take care of the car. That's so much work. Like, why would I just work so hard? Why would I, did I join the spiritual movement to work hard? Like, come on. Like, let's get, let's, get, let's get real. Let's get spiritual here. But being spiritual can often, often does mean working hard for Krishna.
3: Barbara is saying, if you don't take care of something, you don't deserve it.
2: Hey Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu. Um, I, I did like what Ananda had to say, too, about um, the level of caring and, and renunciation. And, and regarding the car, um, <laughs> I think in everything that we do, this is my personal perspective, for Krishna, whether it's your home, whether it's your car, anything material belongs to Krishna, so why wouldn't we care for that? Why wouldn't we make sure that it's cared for and presentable because basically he's provided us with that material object to transport us to do book distribution or bring prasadam or whatever. Same with the kitchen. Same with, you know, and maybe that's my managerial aspect coming in, but I, I feel that strongly that um you know that brings me back to my my thought or my question was would you see anger frustration and expectation on the same level you know do you see that all intercombined because um i you know there's moments when i i feel all those things and i really have to balance that you know because Are they my expectations? Are they what I think Krishna's expectations are? Um, You know, so really separating our personal interests to what Krishna is expecting us to do.
1: So the question was basically, is our anger, frustration, and expectation related? Yeah, they are. They're related because, in the pure material sense, there's always some uh, personal stake in something, and then those are different manifestations of our stake in a a situation. And those also have a pure spiritual experience, when the stake is completely about Krishna. Um, But for most of us, there's, there's that middle ground that we're trying to negotiate. So I think it's really good that you're asking yourself these questions that, okay, is this my own expectation, or is this what I think Krishna wants? I know for myself it's really easy for me to justify after uh, an expression of anger that I'm trying, I'm trying. I did that because I, I think that's what Krishna wanted in this situation. I tend I tend to, I've noticed that hypocrisy when it's actually more about me. Um, so I'm not saying that that's what ha- what's happening with you, but maybe that's a pattern with conditioned souls. In any case, asking yourself the question is is useful. And I've just kind of come to this conclusion just by giving this class and hearing the reflections that, these two points of anger and, and, and responsibility or expectation or managing a situation are related. It can be helpful for us to see what makes us angry. What are we actually attached to? Because you can't really argue with that. Like, what are you actually attached to that makes you angry? What's your button that you get? When someone pushes it, you feel anger. You can't argue with that. It's there. If we're honest enough and under guidance we see, then we can see what we can use in Krishna's service, right? Like Brahmins, they're deeply interested in protecting knowledge, truth. If if somebody says an untruth, like it'll make them angry. Um, you know, Prabhupada would get angry about maya philosophy because it's an offense to Krishna. It's like a brahminical expression of of, uh, of, of 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 anger. You can you can you can want to protect people. That's what kshatriyas do. You know, you can want to protect uh, the natural world, livestock, nature. You can want to protect the arts and crafts and skills. And if you see like what your buttons are then under guidance, you, you, you make that yukta, you connect that in service to Krishna, you then protect those things for Krishna. Instead of for you, then over time, you know, like you're taking care of Krishna's garden for Krishna, there's going to be some of you involved in that. But because you're doing what you want to do, what you naturally have energy for, and you're trying to connect it systematically more and more for Krishna's pleasure, what does he actually want in this situation? What is the feedback I'm getting from my own expressions of anger and frustration and expectation? then you'll actually make advancement more and more. That's our, that's our path. Um, and then the, in the rare time when there's actually like an overt, clear expression of Vaishnava Ninda, criticism of devotee, then we understand, like, you know, I, I actually have to, as a service, say something. It doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. I had one experience of it. One experience only in this life of uh, an expression of anger that I felt afterwards was completely and utterly justified. <laughs> Somebody was distributing... Uh, blasphemous literature slandering certain personalities, devotees who've tr- tried really hard to push on Krishna's movement slandering these personalities in Vrindavan during Kartik to the devotees <laughs> they were distributing this hate literature, and I took a look at it and I thought this is utter nonsense and I kept walking and then I thought no I can't keep walking I have to go back and I have to I have to. I have to put the fear of God in them. It's actually what I thought. (laughs) So I did. I I pushed it out of their hand, slapped it on the ground, and I got in their face. And afterwards, I felt completely purified, and the anger went away. And it's not an experience I've had in any other context in my life. Because I I legitimately thought this is so bad for them, what they're doing during Karthik. It's so bad. The Radha mercy, I got to experience a little bit of spiritual anger. Every other time in my life, it's been about me. But in any case, we'll end on that. Um, thank you for tolerating. Shri Prabhupada ki jai, Shrimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Vanchakalpatru piyachakrpaasin to be eva chapatitanam paabne piyo veshne